And I think it is incredible when you see the volunteerism that is in Utah and in the Utahns. You know, and so I think there's a lot of communities out helping each other. This past winter has defied all expectations and broken every known record of precipitation here in Utah. While we are grateful for this much needed moisture, it brings with it an increased chance of flooding in many areas all across the state. Many Utahns have already experienced firsthand the potential dangers and additional spring runoff brings. Joining us today to talk more about the risks we face and what this flooding means for the state is Director of the Utah Division of Water Resources, Candace Hosnieger, and our Utah State Engineer and Director of the Division of Water Rights, Teresa Wilhelmson. Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having us. So first off, how exactly did all of this happen? What makes this year's spring runoff particularly bad or worse than in previous years? I think you kind of hit on it in their intro, right? It's like we have had a record snowfall this year. We peaked out on April 7th at 30 inches of snow water equivalent. Our previous record high was set in 1983 at 26 inches. So we blew past that previous record. It's just a pretty amazing year, which is great, especially after, you know, several years of drought conditions. Now, for most people who live here on the valley floor along the Wasatch Front, they'd recognize that there was a lot of snow this winter, but they primarily just see it in their front yards of, you know, here's a couple of feet that were added over the weekend. They really don't have an appreciation or a scale of just how much snow has landed up in the mountains in particular. I think just over the last week, we saw some of the ski resorts report 900 inches for the entire year. What does that scale? What does that actually mean in terms of the total volume of water that we have sitting up there in the mountains right now? Well, I guess for a visual standpoint, right, I was able to go up and do a snow survey up in the strawberry area. And a gentleman took, you know, a seven foot pole, put it down all the way and then held it up. Right. And it's a foot above this guy. And that's how much snow is up there. I mean, it is a lot of snow. A lot of us have seen, you know, the snow melt off of our yards and maybe some of the low elevation snow, but there is still a significant amount of snow. When we're talking, you know, our statewide average numbers, 26.4 inches, that is a significant amount of snow. Mm -hmm. Do we have an equivalent of what that looks like in terms of volume of water? How many times can that refill some of these reservoirs? Sure. So we do look at that and try and estimate based on that snowpack what the snow water equivalent would be that may be coming that's above a reservoir and estimate how many fillings that that could have. And it's going to vary across the state. I know a couple weeks ago there were some conversations, you know, in one of the northern reservoirs that there's like three times the amount of the capacity that that reservoir holds. So that operator is making those releases knowing that that is coming, that that water's coming. So let's talk about that. How exactly we use the water infrastructure that we have to help mitigate some of these flooding impacts. We've seen over the last several weeks, floods through the Ogden River area that we hear from state officials is actually part of our flood mitigation plan. Can you describe exactly how we preemptively start releasing this water in order to avoid catastrophic floods down the line? Sure. So if you talk about the Ogden River, those are federally operated or federally owned dams that are locally operated. And they do have emergency action plans in place and operating schedules where they know, based on snowpack above these reservoirs, what quantity that they do need to release. So it is planned, even though maybe sometimes it doesn't seem like that to residents, but there is a purpose and a plan to those releases. And a lot of the Ogden River, when you talked about the flooding that's occurring there, I know some people are saying, 
look, the benches and the picnic tables are flooded. We have this major flood going on. But that is the floodplain. And they knew when they put those facilities there that this is a likelihood that could happen. That's why the gates are locked and people are told to stay out of the area. Now, we've seen the start of some of this spring runoff that has caused some of these flood problems. Currently, where are the biggest flood risks here in the state? And have we already seen the worst of it or is the worst of the flooding still yet to come? One of the the good things that we've seen this spring, right? So we peaked out in our snowpack and then we did warm up and we dropped a few inches down in our snow water equivalent. So that's when we saw a lot of that localized flooding. But it did get cold again, maybe a little too cold for some of our liking, you know, <laughs> who are ready for more springtime feel. But that slowed the snow melt and reduced the localized flooding. So that's one of the good things that we saw so far this spring. That being said, we're projected to warm up in the next week to 70s and 80 degrees, which was great for some of those that are ready for springtime and that warmer feel, but not so great for some of the flooding conditions that we will likely see. And it does vary across the state. You know, some of the other areas we're anticipating Serious flows are going to start coming probably in the next two to four weeks, maybe six weeks. So we're definitely keeping an eye on these facilities and making sure that we're able to handle those flows. Do we have an idea of what cities or what specific areas might be hit hard by flooding over the next two to six weeks? You know, I would say this year that we just assume it's going to be a statewide impact. And I think the best thing that folks can do is realize if you have a potential that you think you may be seeing some floodwaters, get prepared today. Don't wait till tomorrow, but just prepare. And I think we just assume all of us in in one form or another are going to see it. Teresa said it really well. I was going to say all of them. (laughs) We'll see (laughs) widespread, you know, issues would be our best guess with how much snow is up in the mountains. The Utah Division of Emergency Management is coordinating with residents to work with their local public works departments and emergency offices, the counties. I want to echo Teresa's message of just be prepared. You can go to floods.utah.gov to get more information about are you in a floodplain, find out about resources and what you should do. It's a really great tool for residents and really just echo be prepared. Mm-hmm. So it's floods.utah.gov. Yes. Okay. Now, we keep hearing this record precipitation since 1983. What comparisons can we draw to the floods of 1983? And what specifically have we done over the course of the last 40 years to improve our management systems so that we can avoid the kayaks floating down State Street? You know, how is this going to be different from the last go around? I'll just start by saying, you know, that spring in 83 was cold and we kept building snowpack. We really didn't start the runoff till May 20th. So where we started in April, we were like six weeks behind. So that's one thing is it really compressed that runoff window. So all of that snow had a runoff in a very short amount of time. And in the infrastructure category, we've created new reservoirs since then. Jordanelle wasn't completely finished at that time. Little Dell are a couple examples of even new reservoirs that we've had since then. Now, we've only begun to start to see the start of this year's flood. And like you mentioned, we have several weeks in the future anticipation for potential future flooding. What have we already started to learn from this year's flood that we might be able to apply to future floods to help prepare us going forward? I think that's a good question. And what I have found is getting the communication out sooner. We recently sent a letter to dam owners across the state 
making sure that their facilities are in working order, cleaning those reeds, just like I mentioned earlier. But I think getting that communication out quickly and sooner may be something that I've learned at least. But just getting involved, and I think it is incredible when you see the volunteerism that is in Utah and in Utahns, you know, and so I think there's a lot of communities out helping each other. Yeah, I would just add from kind of the public perspective, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do on a number of issues is to have like a central kind of clearinghouse. We've been working on developing those, whether it's drought.utah.gov or greatsaltlake.utah.gov, where we have these multi-agency, multi-issues that can all go to one place. DEM did a great job of trying to get that information together for the floods.utah.gov, but just being prepared, I think, is really key. Now, all of this spring runoff and this amazing winter that we've had comes in the middle of this 20-year mega drought that has plagued our state for the last couple decades. Now, as a state, we've seen that statewide drought monitor almost completely reverse course over just the last year. What exactly does this precipitation just over this last year mean for the state of the drought here in Utah? And what does the moisture that we've received really mean for agriculture industry and, and all of the citizens here living in the state? Well, we've all seen the record snowpack, like we've talked about, and it really has changed what we're seeing as far as drought conditions on the ground. One of the tricky parts with drought is when you look at that long history, it's hard to know when they stop and when they start. So it's kind of something prospective you kind of have to look back at to see, because we could have this amazing year, and I'm knocking on wood that it doesn't happen, but This next summer, if it was hot and dry and then we had a poor snowpack next year, we could be exactly where we were last year. So I think we really need to capitalize on this runoff and know that this is helping to refill our reservoirs. And that's what reservoirs are meant to do, right? They're meant to capture water in high years and get us through those drought years. Also can help us get water to Great Salt Lake and those type of things by these big flood years. So It has definitely improved our conditions, but we need to think long-term for our overall resiliency to the changing water conditions. Mm -hmm. So what does all of this rainfall and precipitation mean specifically for the Great Salt Lake? And not only the Great Salt Lake for those along the Wasatch Front, but for southern Utah and the Colorado River, what is the current status of those two basin systems? I mean, we've seen a dramatic shift in the elevations at Great Salt Lake on the south arm, right? Since last November, we hit a record low of 4188.5, and now we're seeing elevations of 4192.5. So it's increased by about four feet. Granted, there have been efforts to help address some of the issues by freezing the berm, And so it's not quite an apples-to-apples comparison, but we've seen a great improvement in the south arm of Great Salt Lake, which is pretty amazing. And obviously, as we've talked, we're not done yet. We're still seeing additional runoff. And then on the Colorado River side, I was just on a call this morning and got a conditions update, and they were saying that the most probable runoff into Lake Powell is about just under 15 million acre feet is what is projected. And that is awesome. We haven't seen that for a long time. The 30-year average is just over 9 million acre feet, so it's pretty incredible. And 15 million acre feet of water in Lake Powell, do we know about how much that'll help raise the lake level there? I think it's about 40 or 50 feet is what I heard. So I saw recently that they were projecting somewhere between 50 to 90, most likely 70. Wow. 
You know, but even, you know, you talk Grace Lake and Colorado River and the issues there, you know, with a lot of the snowpack and the conditions that we're seeing, we had a meeting with Wyoming a couple weeks ago, and the state engineer in Wyoming was describing that a lot of their snowpack this year was just low and mid-elevation. They didn't have a whole lot of high elevation. So even though here in Utah we're seeing that major snowpack, it seems that we were in a bit of a pocket. And so, you know, the Colorado is seeing those high flows, but it wasn't basin-wide snow that we're seeing here in Utah. And I think that hopefully that also helps local folks understand it's not a consistent thing, and we, we do need to be careful with that supply. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. And is there anything else that you would like to communicate to members of the public over the course of the next several weeks, steps that they can take or, or anything that you would like them to know about this spring runoff and about the current situation of flooding as well as the drought here in the state? I think from my standpoint, a good message for the public to understand is just how dangerous water can be, even when it's not flooding. As engineers, we study water, and I have to say my son runs rivers, And I'm terrified every time he does one because I understand what water can do because I understand the mechanics of it. And I think sometimes it's surprising to people just how cold the water is and how fast and how swift. But just preparation is key. If you just do it today, don't wait till tomorrow. And I would say be proactive, get out there, kind of understand your situation and how you can help your neighbor. Look for ways that you can, you know, continue to conserve and develop a long-term conservation ethic and yeah just be careful and watch your kids and your pets with that fast water it is it is fast and it is cold so that's probably the most important thing mm-hmm. well thank you so much and we appreciate the work that the two of you do particularly on this front but really all that you do for the state of utah and helping manage our water resources and ensure that we continue to safeguard this precious resource yeah, thank you